A reading from the first letter of St. John. Beloved, let us love one another, because love is of God. Everyone who loves is begotten by God and knows God. Whoever is without love does not know God, for God is love. In this way, the love of God was revealed to us. God sent his only begotten Son into the world, so that we might have life through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son as expiation for our sins. Dominus Fobiscum. Adios, Spiritus Fobiscum. Lexio Sancti Evangelii Secundum Arcum.
When Jesus saw the vast crowd, his heart was moved with pity for them, for they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. By now it was already late, and his disciples approached him and said, This is a deserted place, and it is already very late. Dismiss them so that they can go to the surrounding farms and villages and buy themselves something to eat. He said to them in reply, Give them some food yourselves. But they said to him, Are we to buy 200 days' wages worth of food and give it to them to eat? He asked them, How many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they had found out, they said, Five loaves and two fish. So he gave orders to have them sit down in groups on the green grass. The people took their places in rows by hundreds and by fifties. Then taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he said the blessing, broke the loaves, and gave them to his disciples to set before the people. He also divided the two fish among them all. They all ate and were satisfied. And they picked up 12 wicker baskets full of fragments and what was left of the fish. Those who ate of the loaves were 5,000 men. Verbum Domini. Today, the church sets before us the witness and example of St. Elizabeth Ann Seton, the first native-born citizen of the United States to be canonized a saint. And she was born in a well-to-do Episcopalian family in New York City in 1774 and was married at the age of 19. She and her husband would have five children. When her husband, William's health, began to fail, it was decided to travel to Italy to a climate more conducive to his recovery. And they chose to go to Livorno, Italy, as it was the home of the Felici family, who were family friends and business partners with William. And upon their arrival, the Setons had to be quarantined for about a month due to the fact that it was feared that William might have had the yellow fever. And so they were actually quarantined for about a month, and shortly after they were let out of quarantine, her husband died of tuberculosis. And Elizabeth became a widow with five children at the young age of 29. In God's providence, even though she was in a foreign country, a new widow, had young children to take care of, God placed in her path the Feliki family, who were devout Catholics who loved their faith, and they ended up having a very profound effect on Elizabeth. They prayed daily. The Holy Sacrifice of the Mass was offered in their own private chapel on a daily basis, and they had a great love for Our Lady, and daily prayed the Holy Rosary. Elizabeth was struck by the reverence she encountered at the Mass. And particularly powerful for her was coming to grasp over time the real presence of our Lord in the Holy Eucharist. She would write to a friend regarding her observation of these Catholics, how happy would we be if we believed what these dear souls believe, that they possess God in the sacrament, 
and that he remains in their churches and is carried to them when they are sick. And then she turns her attention in the letter to God himself, saying, how happy would I be, even so far away from all so dear, if I could find you in the church as they do. How many things I would say to you of the sorrows of my heart and the sins of my life. During one particular mass she attended in Italy, she found herself greatly troubled when someone leaned over to her during the elevation of the sacred host after the consecration. This person said to her, this is what they call their real presence. And even as a non-Catholic, she was greatly disturbed. And this is what she wrote about that experience. My very heart trembled with shame and sorrow for his unfeeling interruption of their sacred adoration. For all around was dead silence and many were prostrated. So again, even as a non-Catholic, she had this great sense of the reverence of the mass, particularly when our Lord's made present on the altar. Besides introducing her to the Holy Mass, the Feliki family also shared with Elizabeth the classic book from St. Francis de Sales, The Introduction to the Devout Life, as well as other writings explaining and defending the Catholic faith. And when Elizabeth returned to New York, she had a growing desire in her heart to become Catholic, but she was met with great opposition from her family, but she kept moving closer to the Catholic faith. She would later write in a letter the following description as she was attending the service at St. Paul's Episcopal Chapel on Broadway in New York. She said, I got in a side pew, which turned my face towards the Catholic Church in the next street and found myself 20 times speaking to the Blessed Sacrament there instead of looking at the altar where I was. So again, the conviction of our Lord's real presence in the Blessed Sacrament greatly drew her to the faith and it kept growing. And despite that painful opposition from her family and friends, she made the choice to be received into the Catholic Church in 1805. And she would write about her experience of her first Holy Communion simply saying, God is mine and I am his. And eventually she left New York with her young children and opened a Catholic school in Baltimore at the invitation of a priest. And within one year, or just one year afterwards, she was invited by Bishop John Carroll to start a school in Emmitsburg, Maryland. And it was through her love of Christ, her Catholic faith, and how she formed and passed on that faith to children that many like-minded young women were drawn to follow her example, and she became the founder of the Sisters of Charity. And she's also known for the establishment of the Catholic parochial school system. But during the last several months of her life, I believe his last four months of her life, she was confined to her room. And one of her spiritual directors asked her what she considered the greatest blessing ever bestowed on her by God. And she answered very simply, that of being brought into the Catholic Church. She loved her Catholic faith. And as she lay dying, she asked that the Anima Christi be recited. And that's that prayer that we often say after receiving Holy Communion, which begins, soul of Christ, sanctify me, body of Christ, save me. She loved that prayer. She asked that it be recited and the sister or the sisters around her, they began it, but they couldn't finish it because they're overwhelmed with grief. And Mother Seton finished it herself. 
and her last words were said to be the names of Jesus, Mary, and Joseph before she went to the Lord. And she died on this day, January 4th, about two o'clock in the morning. So we ask St. Elizabeth Ann Seton to pray for us today at this Holy Mass, that we might be renewed as she was in a greater love and devotion for our Lord in the Blessed Sacrament, have a greater sense of the reverence um, that our Lord, that we are in the Lord's presence here as we worship him and ask him for the graces to give us that we might be faithful to the mission he has entrusted to each of us. St. Elizabeth Ann Seton, pray for us.